Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you that your mercy is new for us every morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God who speaks so that we might hear. You are the God who has appeared to us so that we might see. We ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to hear you, to see you. And we pray that you would open your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ever wonder what got Jesus excited? Do you ever wonder what pumped him up? You know, I, uh, I get excited, for example, uh, whenever one of my favorite bands puts out a new album, puts out some new music. Pearl Jam put out a new album uh, this spring called Gigaton. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. Or I love it when a fun movie is out. So Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams have a new one out called Eurovision on Netflix, and it's about Icelandic pop music which is just about the best thing I've heard in a long time. Just the concept. So, Eurovision, that's one. Or I get excited about going on vacation. And I love going to a specific ice cream parlor at the end of Long Island where they sell this black raspberry ice cream that I swear is the best thing I've ever tasted. Not to be too specific, but I get excited about that. So these are just some of the things that get me going. And we know that Jesus, frankly, loved to be at parties. We saw, you know, we see in scripture multiple times where he's hanging out at festivals and parties. So we know he liked a good meal. We know he loved to hang out with his friends. And I'm sure he enjoyed to laugh a lot like us. But the thing that really got Jesus going, that really got him excited, was and is you. You. How do I know this? Well, our passage today is often referred to as Jesus rejoicing in the Father's will. He rejoiced that God's will was being done. But what was the Father's will? Jesus tells us. It was that he might come and reveal God to you. He wants you to know him. At the heart of our Christian faith is the Lord Jesus, the Lord of all things, coming to us to reveal God to us, to show us himself. He comes after us. He doesn't wait until we get our act together, thank God, because he would be waiting a very long time. Uh, he doesn't wait for us to show at least a little bit of improvement. You know, not at all. He comes after us. He's the initiator. He runs to us while we are still very far off. He shows us himself while he's actually sitting there in Luke's gospel. Okay? He's He's not off on some distant heavenly throne, you know, sitting on a cloud somewhere where you can't see him, but rather he is sitting there amongst his people, a human being in the flesh, physical, tangible, and he's revealing to them and to us the God of the universe. This is the kind of God that's presented to us in the Bible. And it's a God that seeks us out and calls us to himself. And praise God that he does, because that is exactly what we need. We need to be saved, nothing less. And in, in this passage, our gospel passage today, and in the surrounding verses, uh, both before and after, we can see why. We get a picture of our situation and our need. In the first couple verses, Jesus says, while praying to the Father in heaven, uh, he separates humanity really into two groups. 
He says that there are the wise and understanding, and there are the little children. And he's thanking the Father for hiding things from the wise and understanding, and for revealing things, those same things, to the little children. And these things, what are the things, right? It begs that question, what things? Well, he's referring to salvation, the salvation that he's come to bring. He had just said to his disciples, uh, give thanks to God and rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. He's talking about eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, the kingdom of God come to earth in right relationship with the Father. So it's essentially the good news of him, Jesus' life and ministry. And he's saying that's, that's hidden to some and revealed to others. And you might be thinking, well, what's that about? I thought you just said that he's the God that comes after us. Uh, but here he's thanking God, the Father, for keeping some out. At least that's what it seems. That doesn't seem right. Well, I want us to see here that Jesus actually has an approach to both groups. He has an approach to both groups. He seems to be against the one and for the other. And at face value, he is. But it's not really that simple. You see, none of us fall uh, very neatly into one or the other of those groups. The plain truth is that we are mixed bags as human beings. We are not uh, just the children, and we are not just the wise and understanding. There are areas in our lives, each one of us, you've got them, I'm sure, where we think we are wise and understanding, where we think we have it together a little bit. Maybe you've been in your career for a long time, and you're a seasoned veteran at your job, and you think, I've got a pretty good beat on this, you know? We've got areas in our lives where uh, we don't think that we need serious help, where we've got a good grip on things. But then, there are also areas in our lives where we do know that we need serious help, where we are in over our heads. If you're a new parent, then you relate to that. You need serious help. And I know my kids are not that old. My oldest just turned nine, and my youngest is six, so we are just catching our breath. And uh, we know that we need serious help. There are definitely areas in our lives where we need to be saved, where we need to be cared for like little children. And what we see in this passage and the preceding and following verses is how Jesus comes after us in both cases. He comes after us in both cases, and they are both characterized by his mercy, even though it doesn't always feel that way. Let's start with the wise and understanding camp, okay? The plain fact is that God always comes against us when we are sitting in the wise and understanding camp. In the verses before our passage today, Jesus speaks woes to the unrepentant cities, uh, including his own adopted city, Capernaum, where he, it's his hometown where he has been doing ministry before this. And he pronounces judgment upon them because they thought that they knew what was up. They thought that they were okay. You know, they saw what he was doing and, and thought, oh, that's great. He's out there helping those needy people, you know. Uh, those deaf, blind, lame people, they do need help. Thank God he's so socially conscious, that Jesus. He's, a, he's doing a great job, and I'm so glad I'm not like them. Okay? Just for example. Then they get their Starbucks, and they go off to the gym, right? None of us can relate to that. Uh, the same thing happens in the following verses as well. Right after our passage today, we see a lawyer come up to Jesus, and he asks Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus uh, tells him to summarize the law. What's the law? And he does, and then Jesus gives him a parable about the Good Samaritan. And in so doing, Jesus blows up his own, that guy's understanding about the law because he makes the Samaritan, who's the outcast, you know, one of those poor folks, he makes the Samaritan the hero in the story. So we see that this lawyer in these unrepentant cities, often, you know, we operate just like them, where we think, we've got it together. We're okay. You know, I'm cutting it somehow. I just need a little bit, of, just give me some instruction and I'll get there. You know, I'll get by with a little help from my friends. That's implying that we've got some stuff together. We can do it. I've got it figured out. And God always comes against us in that place. Always. But how is that merciful? That doesn't sound like mercy at all to me, right? That doesn't sound like it, but it still is. In his mercy, he comes after us, but he comes after us to expose us. It's his mercy that shows us ourselves. He comes after us to show us our need, to show us that we need his grace. It's because we're blind in that place. We are blind, effectively. We think we see clearly. We think we've got a good grip on life. And we are proving the fact that we are blind to our desperate need for salvation. We put our trust and our dependence in ourselves, in our own goodness. And God always comes against us in that place. We need our eyes to be opened to the fact that our need is as obvious and as plain as the poor and the broken and the needy and the sick. Nothing we can do could ever earn our way to God Nothing we can do could ever overcome our problem, specifically our problem with love, okay? When I'm talking about the fact that we're blind to our real situation, we're blind to the fact that we are broken lovers. That's our problem. We do not love the way that we should. That's sin in a nutshell. What did the lawyer say when Jesus said, tell me what the law says? The lawyer said, you shall love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he said. And Jesus said, you have spoken rightly. That's the demand on us, to love perfectly. And we don't do it. If you just take stock for a second of your relationships in your life, a quick little uh, evaluation of your relationships, you would see that you've got a lot of pain or that you've felt a lot of pain You've caused a lot of pain in relationships that are the most loving, quote-unquote, in your life, the people that are closest to you. We don't love ourselves perfectly, we don't love our neighbors perfectly, and we certainly don't love God perfectly. We're broken lovers, and therefore we're sinners. And the Lord knows this, okay? This is good. The Lord knows there's nothing we can do to reverse our situation. We cannot depend on ourselves, our intellect, or our looks, our popularity, our wealth, you know, our success, our charity, even, our friends. We can't depend on these things. None of them are going to save us. None of it can give us new hearts that will enable us to truly love. So, Jesus comes after us, and he comes against us in those places because he wants us to see that we need to be saved he comes after us and pronounces the real situation just like he does to those unrepentant cities 
Just like he reflects back to that lawyer when he says the Samaritan is the one that's the hero, not the other obvious good guys. Jesus comes after us in those places because he wants us to depend only on him. He is the only one that can save us from our sin. The thing we need is to actually be loved perfectly by love himself. That's Jesus. He wants our dependence on him in every facet of our lives because he's our only hope. John, uh, one of his disciples, would let later write that he is love. And that is true. And we need his perfect love to change us. If we depend on anything else, it's ultimately going to disappoint us. And Jesus loves you too much to leave you there. So he comes against us in those places. And this leads us to the little children, okay? We've already hinted at it, but the little children are fully aware of their dependence. That they are dependents, right? You say that on your taxes with your kids. They are fully dependent on their parents. They know they need mommy and daddy all the time. They know they can't deal with life on their own. They recognize their need and they don't feel shame about it. My little girls ask for help all the time and they're so grateful to receive it. They end up giving you kisses. I know I'm, I'm headed for the teen years, so I'm trying to soak this up as my good friend Pat Kelly says all the time, soak it up. I hear you, Pat, I will do that. But they give me hugs and kisses now and they thank us for loving them and you know, putting band-aids on their boo-boos and all that kind of stuff. They're really love sponges, little kids. They know they need it and they want it badly. The poor, the lame, the deaf, the blind, the sick, the lost, they all know the same thing, that they are not cutting it. They know that they cannot get themselves out of the situation that they are in. They cannot make it on their own. They know that they're in trouble and therefore they can see clearly. They can see themselves clearly and they've experienced the lack of love in their lives the lack of love that they have, the lack of love that they've received from the world around them. And the result is, they recognize help when it comes. They recognize Jesus for who he is. They don't have any illusions about it, or about who they are and their need. So when Jesus comes offering help, they gladly receive it. And he doesn't have to come against them in any way. He doesn't have to expose them or convict them necessarily. He simply ministers to them and their brokenness because life has already prepared them for him. Now, you might be thinking, okay, so I have to get myself out of the wise and understanding camp and into the little child camp so that I'm cool with Jesus, right? Well, that's what I said at the beginning. You already are in both camps. You're a mixed bag, just like me. We are mixed bags. We are all, you know, a mix of self-righteousness, where I've got it together, and desperation, where I'm just secretly hoping somebody will tell me that it's going to be okay. Somebody will come along and say, I love you, and I'm going to help you. And we cannot save ourselves. That's what we've heard. We need to be saved. And that's why Jesus, in this passage, hangs it all on himself. He says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son. And here's the kicker. 
and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Our faith as Christians is about God's action towards us. Jesus breaking into our world and beckoning us to himself, revealing himself to us and calling us home. And he's doing that right now. That's what this is. That's what church really is. Church is sinners gathered around the Son of God, gathered around Jesus Christ to hear what he has to say. That's church. And it's God preaching to us, preaching to you, preaching to me through his word right now, revealing to us himself and the Father, showing us ourselves, our need, and then answering that need. That's really what all our services are designed to be. This morning prayer service is all about hearing God preach to us through his word, through the sermon, through the prayers. And our communion services are the same. The first half is God preaching to us through the word, and the second half is him preaching to us through the sacrament, proclaiming to us again that Jesus has come for sinners. He has come to save. And that is good news. This is what made Jesus rejoice. This is what got him excited. He wants you, and he wants you to be free. That's why you're here. That's why you're listening right now. There's no mistake in that. The Holy Spirit has prompted you for some reason to turn on church when you could be doing many other things. And praise God, because you are hearing the good news for all people, that Jesus Christ has come to save you. That's why he came, to set you free he doesn't want you to have to prove yourself anymore, to keep trying to prove yourself, because it's never going to work. He wants you to be able to confess, admit your need, and find the answer in him. That's why church exists, so that we might remind each other all the time, so we might hear it again, because every day I find something else that I run to in my brokenness. I find something else to love instead of God himself. And the good news is that he comes after us and he says, come back. I love you. And he transforms our hearts so that we might actually be able to love him. What an awesome, awesome gift. This is what gets Jesus excited. This is why he came, to reveal the Father to us. And he has chosen to do that today because we're all listening right now. Our hope is Jesus the Savior. And he is all that we will ever need. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this awesome news. <clears throat> we thank you for the fact that you rejoice in your Father's well-being done, which is to make yourself known to us, to save us, to bring us to yourself. Lord, I pray that you would do that right now in our hearts. For any of those who are listening right now that maybe uh, haven't been so sure, have been kind of on the fence, or maybe have spent their lives in the church but have never really understood what it means to be in relationship with you. I pray, Jesus, that you would break in right now and that you would beckon them to yourself and that they would respond in this moment right now saying, I want you, Lord. I need you. Respond like a little child that says, I'm hurting. I want you to help me, to hold me, to make me feel better, to heal me, to give me a new heart. If that's where you are, I encourage you to say those words, Lord Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me for my inability to love. Please save me. Thank you, Lord. 
We thank you, Jesus. We rejoice with you that your Father's will is being done, that you came to save sinners, and you have done it by the power of your cross. We thank you. We give you praise today. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.